0: Hello and welcome to the podcast you're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to this week's episode. This week we are talking to Vinnie Shah from Adelaide Metropolitan Fire Service and he's the manager of the community engagement area. Hi Vinny, welcome.
1: Uh, Good morning and how are you and thank you so much for uh, having me on the podcast.
0: No worries at all. I'm excited. I've known Vinny for quite a while um, in the kind of the hoarding and squalor Environment. We've attended meetings together, and uh, Vinny has run a presentation for us at um, for our industry association um, and some training. So I know um, I know his work, and I know how good he is. And he is a lovely bloke, and I actually refer people to him all the time um, because, you know, having somebody like Vinny as the community engagement um, is a really good idea because he's uh, really. Relaxing and calming for for people who um, might be a bit nervous about having someone in their house, and so I've, I I'm often recommend Vinny for that. Uh, so Vinny, tell us about your role um, from your perspective, not just my perspective in the MFS.
1: Yes. Uh, so, as you said, I'm the manager of our community engagement section within the South Australian Metropolitan Fire Service. Uh, I've been in for about 39 years now. Mm. 31 of those have been on the the trucks, on the appliances. So, I've you know experienced um, um, many fires in homes with you know high levels of clutter. Um, as a firefighter but then in the latter part of my career as an officer you know uh, directing crews and operations around uh, those sorts of fires so I've got that experience on that end. Uh, A little bit about our fire service, we were established in 1862, we have 19 metropolitan stations but we also have 17 regional stations which are based uh, in the larger regional areas across our state of South Australia. We have about 900 firefighters and yeah. 300 day working staff. When I say day working staff, that's not like admin staff like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are uniform staff in doing, um, uh, you know, day working uh, duties, uh, classes, non-operational, basically. Now, our section um, has a pretty simple charter to say, not always that simple to achieve, but <laughs> uh, look, we're looking to eliminate deaths and injuries from preventable residential fires, and we're also mm-hmm. looking to eliminate deaths and injuries from preventable road crashes, mainly focusing on young people and their driving behaviour. So that's the, our broad charter. Okay. Um, I lead a team of seven and manage about 60 operational personnel who um, work part-time in several of our community programs. So we utilise our operational and um, firefighters on days off, to do uh, to do some work in our programs our five main programs that we have is a multicultural communities program we have a community and schools education program we have j flip which is our juvenile firelighters intervention program working with children one-on-one that have been firelighting we have our road awareness program uh, which we call RAP, and then finally we have path so people and their hoarding so that idea of Creating a pathway to safer, um, uh, safer homes, you know, fire outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm um, sort of uh, quite lucky, uh, Rebecca, to lead a passionate, dynamic team of dedicated people who are really, um, you know, keen on saving lives and uh, reducing injuries and, and and making lives better for yeah. um, the people of South Australia. So yeah, yeah it, I'm I'm like I'm a good job. Let's say. I love yeah.
0: It. Yeah. And I think that. That that passion comes through from you and from other people that I've interacted with in your department is that, you know, that real commitment to people. It's a real people thing. It's all about the people. Um, and this is this is why I often say to, to people, you know, if you want to have, if you want to know how to make your house safer, these guys are really will really help you. And and it's not just because you know the practicalities of how to make a home safer, you you also engage with them as people, like real actual people not just someone who lives in you know maybe a cluttered home and um and I think that really helps as well is that you're approaching them from that personal level as a a person and you know that's I think that's really appreciated so we're going to focus mostly on your role around cluttered and hoarding homes in this um, particular episode so can you explain how clutter relates to fire risk fire risk or fire hazards
1: yes um... Look, I need to be very clear about how our fire service sees clutter. Uh, we are not concerned about the volume, the value, the quality or the aesthetics of the clutter. Now, that might mm. seem funny. You're not concerned about the volume, but not, mm-hmm. not in its entirety. So I'll, I'll clarify that. So what mm. we're concerned about is how the clutter in a person's home impacts on their fire safety. So, for example, you could have two houses. You could have one house that has a certain amount of clutter, clutter Sorry, and the house next door could have twice as much clutter. But when we look to look at that clutter in relation to the fire risk, it could be the home with half as much clutter has a, a higher fire risk and there's mm. more of a concern to us than the house next door that has twice as much clutter. Yeah, so, interesting. Um, we, yeah, so we take a risk-based uh, approach. Um, so let's have a look, because my thing is um, for all agencies working in people's homes, and I think we're very good as a fire service generally, is that when we go to any sort of house fire, um, I, I think our people in our service are very good about not making judgments on how people choose mm. to live and so forth. You yeah. know, we're, we're always concerned about, yeah, keeping them safe, saving them from the fire and then giving some tips to make them, uh, you know, uh, safer for the future. So uh, if, we, if we take um, our own personal values out of it, and I, I promote this with all in-home service providers we work with, is you need to take a risk-based approach. So let's look at some of those risks or possible risks from clutter. It's either a health risk. You know, and you know sanitary issues. It's either a risk to children's health and development in that space. It could be a risk to animals. It could be um, uh, a residential, like a structural risk, because the clutter in some ways is is caused a mm, structural compromising issue in the home. Yeah, yeah. And then the other risk is fire risk. So naturally, there are plenty of other agencies that will assess and manage those other risks. So let's focus on, you know, the fire risk to occupants. Um, of the home, uh, visitors that come into that home, and can I use this term from now on called in-home service providers? so I'm saying that's anyone that goes into a person's home to provide some sort of services, so it could yeah. be from the council, it could be from government, it could be uh, the landlord, like it could me, be
0: yeah, small yeah, yeah, workers, yeah, right. carers, or, nurses, or
1: carers, so. community groups, all that so mm. what makes it easier is I've just generalised that as one term, in-home mm. service provider, so our thing is about, uh, yeah, not only keeping the person safe in the home, but anyone else that's in the home, visitors and in-home service providers. So when we're assessing the fire risk from clutter, we uh, we then need some sort of objective tool that measures the impact of someone's clutter on their fire safety. Uh, look, I know that a lot of people and pro- I don't know, possibly yourself and others, um, and, and I know uh, other fire services actually use the International Clutter Scale or the ICS Scale, and um, what that is, it's a, it's nine pictures of a kitchen labelled from one to nine, and at one, there's a, a little bit of clutter in the kitchen, and it progressively gets worse to at nine, you know, the, the room pretty well you know full of clutter
0: yeah definitely familiar with that one the clutter image rating scale yeah yeah developed by randy frost it's a good one yeah
1: correct correct but see um when i was investigating this originally that doesn't meet our needs at all i mean it's it's understandable that sometimes if the both of us want to talk about someone's house and you want to you know portray to me you know, how bad is it or how good is it? It's easy for me to say, oh, well, it's a six or it's mm. a seven or it's a three, that sort of thing. But that tells me nothing from a fireside. So Yeah, because it doesn't say yeah. what the quality
0: of the stuff is or what the type of stuff is, only what the volume is or what it looks like in a house. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah, so it, it actually doesn't even, um, yeah, it's not even what it looks like. It's just purely an indicator of volume mm. of items. Mm. Okay, so that's no help. Um, to Mm -hmm. us. Uh, There are other scales in our state um, that our SA Health Department have put together that actually measure those health risks. And I know um, animal risks, uh, we have an organisation, as you know, in this state, the RSPCA, you know, they have their own measures. Mm -hmm. And then in relation to to children, our Department of Child Protection, they have their own measures and tools. But there was nothing there for us on the fire service looking Mm -hmm. at this purely from a risk perspective. So I've developed um, what I'm calling is the hoarding um, fire risk uh, scale. Now just while we're talking, can I give our website so people might want to go on our website. Yeah, and yeah, see all yeah. Of this as yeah, getting. definitely. Yeah.
0: So, and we'll also well, um, put it in the show notes for them as well. They can just link to it from the show notes
1: too. All right. Fantastic. So if they go to www. MFS and that's for the Metropolitan Fire Service, so mfs.sa.gov.au and when they bring up that website uh, across the top there's one that says community safety, click on that and then uh, there'll be a half a dozen selections, click educational programs and then they'll see um, of those uh, five main programs, one is PATH, people in the hoarding. If they click on that, it's got all the information on it and also um, only about a quarter of the way down the page, there is a PDF that can link them to this um, hoarding fire risk scale that uh, I want to talk about um, now. Awesome.
0: I think that people even in my industry, I've got a lot of professional organisers that listen to this podcast, I think they'll find it very useful too.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, it's... I suppose another thing I probably should uh, share is that in in doing this work and putting through the PATH program, and you'll probably see as I talk through, it it wasn't primarily for us as a fire service to work with hoarders. I see the greatest opportunity that I work with those in-home service providers, so we provide them training we provide them the mm. tools and we provide them you know the phone a friend and the backup and there's a couple other services we provide because it's that in-home service provider um, that has a relationship with a person and their clutter and also um, they're the ones that um, you know have that whole duty of care it's you know mm-hmm. that, that that's their client that's their responsibility yeah. okay so this tool could be used by someone that is a clutter and if they want to get to know the sense of their own. Mm. Uh, The scale is from um, 1 to 20. We're saying if you get a score of 6 or less, um, we're saying that, um, you know, you've got a low risk, but if you've got uh, a score of 7 or more, you're probably living in a moderate to high fire risk. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so if we go to page 2 and 3 are actually all the boxes that you tick and check and provide notes. Uh, You'll see that they're listed from... A to F. Now A actually covers what's early warning and I'll explain that in a moment. B, C and D actually cover issues around access and egress. E covers issues around ignition sources and F uh, is is yeah covers issues around fuel load. You'll notice that all the boxes are numbered zero, 01, 02 and 03 except for the first one box A the early warning around smoke alarms that's um number zero one three and five and i'll I'll tell you the reason behind behind that one is getting early warning in any fire whether you have minimal or whether you have maximum amount of clutter that the trick about getting out of your home safely and surviving is you need that early warning that a fire has started in your
0: home
1: yep so that's a smoke alarm basically yes smoke alarm so um When I joined the fire service 39 years ago in the early part of my career as a firefighter, I would be going in and actually pulling people out of homes, actually offering CPR and all those Mm. sorts of things and oxygen therapy and all, and and then sadly losing a lot of people um, in home and unable to revive them. Whereas um, since smoke alarms were legislated and installed in our state, now it's quite different. If I was back out in the trucks today, or say tonight, and we got a, a residential uh, house fire, more than likely when we roll up, the, everyone's you know, the three already occupants out. are on, yeah. on the curb in their PJs, you know, mm. or their pajamas, um, uh, because they got early warning from their smoke alarm. So we, you know, smoke alarms is probably the one biggest thing that I've seen over my thirty-nine years' service of of reducing um, mm. preventable. Uh, fire death, so that's why yeah. it has the higher
0: rating i remember you saying to me once the first thing you do when you walk in a house is you look up
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> is yeah. there a fire so and i was hard. like oh that's the last thing i do i look to see that i'm <laughs> trip i'm looking i'm looking down but yeah you, you guys look up because that's the first thing you want to know
1: okay i'll give you another one um if uh both of us were to go on a holiday and we got, a, a, a you know, adjoining motel rooms and you go into the motel room. What do you look at first?
0: Um, I look, look, like. look to see if the sheets are clean. <laughs>
1: yeah, you, know, what the you look for a fire like. alarm. <laughs> Yeah. Well, or, or, well, well the sprinklers no, no that's not the thing the first thing we do because we're mm. in a building we're we're seeing okay where are the extinguishers where are the fire <laughs> doors where are the exits you know there's probably two exits on the floor do i know where both of them are so if there's a fire during in the middle of the night i know where i'm Going where I'm going to direct other people to. So we should all think
0: that, shouldn't we? But yeah, I mean that comes from years of exposure to it, doesn't it? Like you know the risks. Whereas I've never been in a house fire. I've never experienced one, and it's not on my radar. But it should be more on my radar. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know the other thing too is uh, I come from a building background, uh, a carpenter joiner. So the other thing I do is I'm, I'm going into a place and, you know, like my wife is looking at all the faces who's there, I'm looking at the architecture <laughs> as well as the fire. So I'm just saying, you know, people do what they know, but you yeah. you are exactly right that if you're an in-home service provider, if you're going into someone's home, what you've got to realise is that is your workplace. Now, mm-hmm. that is going to be your workplace while you're there, you need to ensure Uh, of your safety i know you're concerned about your client but also it's about your own safety so Mm. if you're going to be working in there with your client and it's really high fire risk well you're actually now putting your own life uh in danger and i'm sure no one wants to to die for their Mm. their work no definitely not no No. So, No. uh, so you are right i'm hoping through you know, the tra- training we provide, mm. this is the sorts of things that not only are they going to look into, look at the person they're dealing with and all the other issues that may be in that um, person's life, but, yeah, you start to look at oh, where are the doors, where are the exits, have they got smoke alarms, you know, should I maybe be working out on the back table <laughs> mm. versus being, you know, inside the kitchen where I may be trapped, those sorts of things. Yeah, so, yeah it's, a, it's a great point to mention.
0: Yeah. So yeah, then so the going... rest of the sheet then talks about um, how to figure out whether or not you have a high risk um, based yeah. on, and I heard you mention things like ingress and egress and ignition points. So what do are, what are all those mean?
1: Okay, so that first one, early warnings, is what we covered is working smoke alarms. Mm-hmm. Then the access and the egress, and it's done by external doors and windows and internal the, the thing is, that we promote that is you should be able to get from the curb to all the external doors of the home and also to where the gas and electricity is isolated. Uh, we say, and look, I've done the conversion. I'm looking for my notes here. Um, is, uh, we're saying 90 centimetres or 36 inches mm-hmm. uh, to give you an idea, and then also Inside, that all of those external doors have got to be able to open fully, not with a whole pile of stuff behind it and only open half the way. Yeah. Um, and then the pathways to where someone eats, you know, sleeps and lounges. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because if you have your working smoke alarms, you get that early warning. You need to then be able to clearly yeah, move through those pathways to your curb. Yeah. The other thing people don't realise too, I have it a lot with clutterers, is say, oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff around my front door yeah. and it opens half the way and say, so, see, you can get through. And I say, yeah, but yeah. you've got to realise firefighters, most of us are a fairly good yeah. sort of size. Big burly people, yeah. Air, <laughs> yeah, and with our air set on our back, you know, yeah. we can't turn sideways because we're as deep as we are as wide. So yeah. we're like, imagine us like um not a rectangle, we're like a big <laughs> Yeah, like a big
0: cube, so, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah big cube, so, and you know we've got the set on. Uh, we're, we're carrying torches, we're carrying thermal imaging cameras, we're carrying hoses, and mm. and a myriad of things.
0: Yeah. Um, so when we come
1: to a doorway, if it only half opens how are we going to get in and rescue you yeah exactly yes, if you're if you're if you're they're able, so often you so tiny yeah, <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> and that's the right.
0: thing so many of my clients they're so tiny and they're like you know i can yeah. fit it's fine i can get in now and i was like yeah but no one else can and that's that's a worry
1: yeah yeah, yeah definitely um so that, those b c and D, uh, I think are pretty self-explanatory there so um you, you read the squares give them the score from naught to three put in any particular notes and then um section e is around ignition sources so mm. uh, this is the thing i was saying before i was leading to in relation to the clutter is uh those two houses with a different volume is if you have clutter like in and around a heater you have clutter on top uh, around and in front of your stove you know look the things i've seen in homes of. um I saw one person in the bathroom. You think you'd be pretty safe in the bathroom, but in their bathroom above their sink, they had a heater, and on that yeah. heater, they had these Christmas decorations. And they had these uh, sort of like, um, I think it was Thai sort of stream of things come across. It's like, um, hold on, when that heater's on, there's every chance that mm, all this is going to catch mm. a light, it will spread along, and next minute, it'll go into the rest of the house. Or I've had it with, um, a range hood over a stove where someone had one of those uh, Chinese paper fans sitting on it, all these items mm-hmm. hanging off, which were all combustible, that big paper fan was actually covering the exhaust vents that helps get the heat out from the uh, motor of the, yeah. you know, like so, you know, straight away for me, I'm like alarm bells and for any firefighter, you know, yeah. alarm bells are ringing.
0: There are actually lots of things that, yeah, power boards and things stacked on top of power boards or power boards coming off power boards, and I see that a lot. Um, In a lot of homes where people have high levels of clutter, they find that they start to, the number of working um, PowerPoints starts to shrink um, because yes. they can't get access to PowerPoints, or they stop working, but they can't get them fixed because no one can get in, and so they start mm-hmm, using yeah. extension cords and power boards um, off like one one thing sort of thing, and and that is you know something that I always watch out for, and I say to people that this is you know this is a dangerous uh, activity here <laughs> that you're undertaking. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, one of the best I've seen is you'll love this. They had because purely what you said around that issue around power points in their bedroom and their bathroom was directly opposite the bedroom but they had uh the extension lead uh, plugged into uh the plug in the bathroom the lead went between like sitting on the hinge of the door so between the door jamb and the uh-huh. door so every time they you know would close the door it was getting crushing. where yeah yeah then it, it went across the hallway and it's about this height. So the person was really short. They could just walk under it. But I'm thinking firefighters going to rescue it, you know, it's dark and yeah. smoky. We'd get caught up in that.
0: Yeah, it? Vinny's, Vinny's across- doing hand signals here, which no one else can see. But when he says this high, he's, he's pointing to his throat.
1: <laughs> yeah. His
0: neck. Yeah. neck high.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the person... Could get under that us yeah. as firefighters going in, you know that power cord would get caught around our neck and yeah. the heat and uh, uh, and everything going on. We'd even be confused like what's happening here. Mm. We've got to be, we've got to watch because we can then get trapped in there. Mm. And if it gets caught up, especially then it drops down oh, between gets caught my in your stuff and my air mm. there, It can get trapped in there. Next, time I turn around and it wraps around my air cylinder, and uh, you know, and stuff. Are, are happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's not the best part of the story. That power lead then went behind this cupboard. It was about 20 metres longer than it needed to be, so it was really coiled up. And so behind that cupboard, that that the power leads are designed to be in open air, so all of this heat would have been generated behind the cupboard. It then came through the cupboard, and it was a – it was they were like double, but it was like um, – I think it was 10 – plugs, you could plug ten things in. Eight of them had double adapters and Uh, everything had things so a multitude of big load on that radios, appliances, lamps, radio, like everything in his bedroom. It's like, mate, you know, like so, Mm. you know, in that scenario we So those are ignition risks. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And then the person says, Yeah, oh I I don't know how my fire started. You know, how could have that ever started? It's like, well, no for us. Yeah, firefighters. It's a, it's a big, um, you know, red flag. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So then, so if if you can actually reduce your ignition sources. So for us, in some ways, it's not about going in and say, right, you know, reduce this clutter by fifty percent. We're saying, look, all that stuff you got around the heater, that that's an ignition. Yeah, move it away. Yeah. On top of your stove is the thing. Yeah. Uh, here, the your dryer, you know, when uh, or the microwave. There's books and things stacked up either side of your microwave. Yeah. On top of the microwave, if you explain to people, there are actually vents in your microwave that are supposed to let the heat out. All yeah. of those are blocked. So that that's kind of that's just a heating out yeah. calling, calling the next minute. Yeah. You think, oh, why did my microwave catch fire? It must be yeah. uh, an issue with the manufacturer. And you say, no, no. no it's and some fridges, if you, if you buy a fridge, yeah. they have... Um, there's requirements for clearance. ventilation
0: yeah. yeah that's right correct, yeah. correct. and people so stick them sorry. sort of yeah. a little bit too close i had one client that had a whole lot of um, clothes that had fallen down the back of the dryer yes. so the yeah. back of the dryer was just full of clothes and i know dryers do vent out the front but that was a bit dangerous <laughs>
1: i thought yeah but some of so them have uh, additional vents out the back the back has so got yeah. some with microwaves sometimes it's both sides sometimes it's on the top you know mm. they're all they're all different from brand to brand so you know, you can't just have a blanket rule, you know, keep stuff off the top, especially combustible items off the top of your microwave because the vents might be on either side, so for mm. example. Yeah, but yeah even true. Keeping combustibles on microwaves, well, it's the old thing, you know. It's, um, it's like running across the road without looking, you know. Um, you're just increasing your risk of yeah. you know, getting run over by a car. Well, the same thing is with a fire. It's like, yes, you might get away with it for a while, mm. but at some point a car's going to come along and hit you because yep. you haven't looked, you know, you haven't done the, the safe things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's the ignition sources. And the last area is, yeah, just broadly talking about their overall fuel load because mm. naturally the amount of stuff in your home uh, contributes to the volume of smoke, uh, you know, fire spread. The and the type of gases. stuff
0: as well, the yeah, type yep, of oh, stuff that it is.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So what yep. kind of stuff is a higher fire load than others?
1: Um. All right, well, let's... I think the best way to compare that let's talk about a house from the 1950s and a modern home so Mm -hmm. a house in the 1950s had a lot of timber in it uh, had all those great paints that had lead in it and (laughs) uh, you know uh, woolen blankets um, a bedroom was lucky to have a lamp and maybe a clock you know not even a clock radio you know so a lot of times uh, the clocks were even battery operated so they may have one or two electrical items but all of those materials used in the foam, in the in the room, and in those products were not combustible like they are now. Whereas a modern bedroom, everything in a modern bedroom is um, uh, generally polymer-based or plastic. So even the paints on the wall have, you know, plastics or okay. polymers in it. And all of them, when That's they burn, flammable. Yeah, 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 or combustible, they mm. are definitely um, uh, burn easier. They uh, contribute a lot more toxic smoke. Uh, they um, really contribute to the, the faster spread of fire. So, in a, uh, you know, we've got comparisons, not our fire service, but like our New South Wales fire service. Um, they've got a testing facility, and they've put up some great videos showing two rooms that were um, uh, decorated with 1950s material, and the modern bedroom set the same fire size fire in both. Now after two minutes the old room you know the uh, the fire would still not be much bigger than a shoot box very mm. minimal um, smoke whereas in the new room after two minutes the flames you know get to the ceiling uh, the mm. top third of the room would be filled with hot toxic smoke and um, not soon after that that room would actually be unsurvivable so even though it's not completely um, involved in fire, mm. just the radiant heat from the fire, that the toxic gases the that you're taking in and all. Because the reality is, um, you know, uh, very few people die from flames themselves. You know, um, and sometimes people say to me, "Oh, it must be uh, sad to see you know burnt bodies and." what they went through said, well actually no, you know, mm. the smoke got to them well and beforehand first, and, yeah. and, and, and knocked them out from asphyxiation. So um yeah, very rarely is it the flames themselves. It's that toxic smoke. So yeah, in um, the older homes of the nineteen fifties, uh you could be in there for, you know, four or five minutes <laughs> four and five minute,
0: then walk, still be okay. And walk out and be yeah. fine. Uh, yeah. in
1: a modern room, you you get to two minutes and it's like there's, there's already questions around whether that room is actually survivable.
0: Now there is there is a term for that, isn't it? Is it what's the term for when a room is no longer survivable? There's a point or something. It's called something.
1: Yeah, death. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking joke. of like a
0: technical term. I thought there was a technical term where it was like that, that two minutes and after that two minutes it has reached. Yeah. And then I thought there was a word like flashpoint or something yeah. like stupid oh, like that. Oh, okay, but,
1: okay. That's Yeah, okay. that's something different. Oh, is it? Okay. So, okay, flashover is so imagine in a home you've got a fire that started in a bedroom. It's a modern home, uh, so it's, you know, uh, developing and evolving fairly quickly. Uh, the smoke is going, you know, spreading throughout the house. Uh, the other thing people don't realise is that smoke is close to the temperature of the fire itself. So, uh-huh. you know, we can go into some jobs and when, uh, we, you know, get down low and go, go, go. Yeah, that's We can right. go in under the smoke like because it's uh, cooler. If you look up, at times you can actually see the flames like flickering and going through the smoke because oh, really? it is hot enough that it's it's reburning unburnt products wow. from the original fire and its combustion and then the other thing that happens is all of that smoke being so hot it starts to melt things
0: oh. and then
1: those items get to what we call their ignition temperature. So that's why someone something you know will smolder to a certain point and then it'll burst into flames. Well it mm. goes into flames because now that item is at its ignition temperature. You know, it's been brought up to that. Mm. The problem we have, and not well, the problem people have if they're still in the home and what we have going in is you know in that two, three, four minute part, the home can what we call flash over. So all items distributed throughout the rest of the home have all been heated to the point that it almost goes off at once and and oh, a yeah. massive ball of flames runs through the house, which can then um, trap people. Yeah. Uh, so that yeah, that's flash over and that's a real, you know, that's a thing we've got to really watch because the other thing that happens too is because we've gained entry into the home, you know, all this additional oxygen comes in. So you yeah, know you get exactly that, that right combustion Right, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it kept you know, we have to be um, uh, very careful. You know, we, uh, we've we had one of our firefighters badly burnt, and that would have been um, even in all their material, uh, all their gear, still got some burns. And, and that was six or eight years ago. So, I mean, we're pretty good at reading conditions and reading the smoke and seeing that's about to flash yeah. out and that sort of thing. But at the same time, you can imagine it's You when things are happening. Mm. But we can still get caught so mm. um uh and yeah so if you're still in a uh, home uh, even if you're asleep in another bedroom and got flash over i would say yeah your chances of survivability have been greatly reduced now because now the whole house is on fire mm.
0: know, and uh, so this is not than, uh, just, just cluttered big. houses we're talking about then now is no, it? no, no, it's just modern because just... when you were just talking about the number of electrical appliances i was just thinking of you know like my I mean, my bedroom's pretty low on appliances. But I was thinking about, like, the kids who have got, you know, like my daughter's got um, lizards in her room. So she's got heat lights and lamps. Um, They've got their, like, luxury kind of things they've got um, their computers they've got you know um chargers um, we, we had a rule when they were young systems. yeah there's so we yeah, had a rule no, when they were young lamps but, and, it goes yeah, on and on and,
1: you know now they're putting up all these led, and the LED lights yeah yeah and all of that sort of stuff
0: and there's so, so much like, electricity there's so many yeah. so much power being used in those rooms um and, and and you're right there are just so many more ways that things can go you know, up in flames in, in these modern yeah. rooms. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, so it's obviously we've got more of a risk these days of ignition happening. Um, yeah. But I, I guess it's pretty clear that if you live in a cluttered home, um, your risk is risk of really sort of having a fire isn't necessarily that much higher, but the risk of dying in the fire is. What are the statistics around that? I know the metropolitan the mfs in victoria did a study on this um and yeah. i quote the stats incorrectly <laughs> quite often oh, right. um, i sort yeah. of I throw I throw numbers around but basically the premise is that you know their stats did show that you know the, the chances of you having a fire in, in a cluttered home are not necessarily a great deal higher however the chances of dying are um, what was how did that study work
1: Okay, so that was uh, quite a a limited study. Since uh, we've last uh, spoken through our uh, AFAC, Australasian Fire Authority Council, we've um, had some research done of um, preventable residential fires around Australia over a 13-year period, and uh, actually, I'm sorry to say, but what you've been quoted is probably under-quoting because what we've found is yeah. this, like, in Australia, just to give people a perspective, especially if they're overseas, we average 64 preventable residential fires each year, about, about 64. We're currently that same organisation we're all representatives on are quantifying how many people are injured uh, from... Um, uh, preventable house fires and the cost to hospitals and health systems because you know, as much mm. as we say we lose 64 people, the people that then present to hospitals are hundreds, and then each burns are one of the most expensive treatment. So, this you know, even in Australia, it's probably costing us millions or you yeah. know, so that's not 64 million.
0: homes, that's 64 preventable deaths. You're saying yes,
1: yes, yes, yeah. Yes. 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 And uh, if and like you said, if you're a person that has. Um, a lot of clutter in your home, yes, you do have an elevated uh, chance of actually having a fire. It's not a big amount, but you do have an elevated chance. Mm -hmm. But, however, it is estimated from our research that you are between 4.8 and nine times more likely to be a fire fatality than someone in a, you know, know, like a standard um, furnished home. Oh, so that's yeah, that uh, is up big. To nine times yeah. that is that is big. So when you think about it, it's like, well, hold on, you know, it's it's fine that I want to have this stuff, but I do I need to start to think about where I put this stuff so that a you know, get that early warning, I can get out, mm-hmm. firefighters can get in, I reduce my ignition sources, you know. Um, Consider reducing some of the fuel load in some areas. You can greatly reduce. So even though your home hasn't been totally decluttered, shall we say, you can greatly reduce um, your fire risk there. And so instead of being nine times more likely of dying in a, in a fire, um, that, that could be quite a lot lower and under that even that 4.8. Now, um, can I talk about dying in a fire? Because there's a yeah. lot of misconceptions here. Um uh, and, and, you know, what it's like. I've, I've um, chatted with a lot of hoarders and they come up with some great things you know, around, I don't care if I die and, you know, I see I can get out of here and, you know, and all of that sort of stuff is the other thing people don't realise is that we can actually, and we're talking just in a standard home, we can find a lot of people behind their front and back doors and in areas because they actually got disorientated in their own home. So I'll yes. give you a picture. Okay, yep. so think about this. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. You're in a dead sleep in your bed. Uh, let's say you have good working smoke alarms. So the smoke alarm goes off. You're sort of woken up. You're disorientated. As you sit up on the bed, next minute your head's, in you know, starting to get close to that smoke layer and the radiant heat, um, you start and this is the other thing people don't realise: they actually start coughing profusely, their eyes water. You think about when oh, you're in front yeah. of a campfire, and you know when the wind just yeah, shifts it, for a moment, yeah. you get a little bit of smoke. It's always you know, in, in my eyes. face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it always seems it always wherever you sit. That's a, <laughs> that, yeah, but you think about that smoke. That's such a small volume, and that's from timber. That's clean. That's usually a grey-coloured smoke. This is black, toxic. You mm. know, um, uh, smoke. It starts to get into your eyes. Your eyes water profusely, so you can't see. the The fire's probably taking your your power, so you haven't got lights anyway. And even if you turn it on, the smoke layer pretty well takes it yeah, all out. It out yeah, um, And because you've woken up, uh, because you're coughing, because your eyes are gone, and and the and the coughing is not just the smoke, but it's the heat of the smoke. People don't realise. Next minute, your lungs are burning mm. because of it's how hot it is. Then they're trying to scramble to get out. And this thing of, oh, yeah, I keep my keys up on the hook here or do this, do that. No, you don't realise that, um, that they can go in circles and then collapse because they couldn't find the back door. Yeah. And, and I know it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, this this is what we encounter is people are caught, you know, behind the door that was the door to their bathroom. They probably thought it was the door to the front door because yeah. they've been disorientated and everything happening. So... In a cluttered um, environment, so you have that normally. Now, in a cluttered environment, the amount of items you got contributes to the amount of smoke that's generated, which contributes to the heat and the toxic gases. Um, You, if you start to bump and knock into some of your stacks, they start Mm. falling over. Next minute, you know, and then your pathways are blocked. Yeah. your pathways are blocked that's why we want those pathways clear us as firefighters coming in that's the big thing we gotta we gotta watch because we've got all our gear we can't tell when we've hit a stack you know what i mean because we've got the heavy gear on and plus we're dragging a hose so next minute without looking behind us all these items are full down behind us so we can actually become trapped ourselves uh so with those risks firefighters may not actually come in and rescue you because they look at it and say no i can't go down that passageway." Mm. You know, the neighbour tells me that the lady sleeps in the back bedroom, but, you know what? How do you get there? can't safely yeah. get there because, you know, and as an officer, my thing is uh, if I roll up to an incident, for example, and there's, um I get told there's one person in the house, you know, so now I've got one life risk to manage, okay, and I'm, you know, attempting to get that person out and make them safe. If The moment I send my first crew in, they always go in pairs, and then i like to back that crew up. Now I'm managing a life risk of five.
0: Mm-hmm. So if
1: I see that hallway, I've got to make, and it's a tough call, um, do I want to send my people in there? Because I want them to go home to their yeah. families that night. You know, So I might have to say, look, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to fight the fire defensively, which means we fight it from the outside.
0: From the outside and only. Then, th-
1: then and that anyone
0: inside then the... can't be helped. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, well, the chances then of being able to put out the fire before you know, the environment becomes unsurvivable for the person is, you know, as you can mm. imagine, is quite low. You know, whereas if if it was a home that had the standard sort of, um, I hate to use the word standard, but you know what I mean, the standard amount of items where it's very open and clear, you know, we can make in fast entry, locate the person in their bed, drag them out, get them outside, get them on oxygen, and there's mm. a fair chance they'll will survive, they'll be mm. fine. Yeah, but not in that. And then also.
0: The fires can also get in and fight from the inside if they if they need to. Correct. Too. Mm.
1: Correct. Yeah. So it stops the fire spreading to the the whole home, um, and other and homes. Also, yeah. Yeah. Mm. The other homes. And the other thing too is sometimes people, when they have a lot of clutter, they don't sleep in the bedroom. <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah, that's right. Lots not in of the sleep. kitchen. The whole yeah. deal.
1: So, so yeah. a neighbour says, "Oh, there's definitely yeah. Uh, if the car's out the front, the little old lady's at home." Um, and you know it's three o'clock in the morning. We're assuming because we generally get a sense of standard layouts of homes, mm. so we're making our way to bedrooms to do the search and rescue, not realising that there's yeah. that much clutter in those rooms that the person actually sleeps in their In dining the chair room, in the, the living room, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, or a chair in the living room. Hmm. So we've wasted all that time, which is really hard to get to them. And, and same deal. If the fire is developing, it gets to the point where the crew's radio and say, look, um, you know, conditions are worsening in here. You know, it's getting to the point of no return. We need to come out. So then we feel bad because there was a person in that front lounge room. Thinking, well, if that was a bedroom and you were there, we could have gone in, grabbed and got them out. But here we've wasted all this time going to the other three bedrooms when they're not even there. Mm. So they have that as a greater risk, um, um, Yeah, knocking over st- uh, stacked items. And the other thing we find, because people have a lot of clutter, and you mentioned it before, um, then those people... Um, can't necessarily get a tradesperson in to do any work because the tradesman can't put their ladder and they're saying, no, this is unsafe mm. and whatever else. So, um, yeah, a lot of people in hoarding homes don't have working smoke alarms. I'm thinking you've got this elevated fire risk. If mm. anything, you should be putting in more smoke alarms. Um, and yeah, one no, in every room. Yeah, and you've mm. got no um, working smoke alarms. Um I've had some of them where they say, uh, "I say, look, I've looked through, I can't see any smoke alarms in your home." And then someone will pull a smoke alarm off the <laughs> shelf, which is about a metre off the ground, or 900 mils, you know, like a, a yard off the ground, and say, "Yeah, here's my smoke alarm, there, mate, mate." By the time the smoke gets down to that level yeah. to, to alert you to the fire, it could you know, be too late. You're, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, be, oh, definitely, mm. it's gonna be, you're gonna be long gone, you know. Oh, oh, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, and. As you can see, you're unable to get a tradesman and their ladder in there and, and get a smoke alarm put up in the appropriate part of the room. Yeah. So, yeah, the, so so. hopefully I've made it um, clear. Uh, for your oh, listeners. definitely. So, can you see we're not, you know, there's, there's no judgment about what people choose to have or not have and whether they value it and I don't value it. Can you see everything from our side is saying, so people just look at the items you have. And, and sort of look to make sure that those items are not inadvertently really increasing not only the fire risk to you, but visitors to your home, service providers, and most importantly to me, firefighters that are going into your home to, yeah. to rescue if there's a fire. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's not just the person's uh, fire risk.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's quite a an all-encompassing thing. Um, and when someone lives in an apartment or in attached dwellings, then oh. you know there's a risk to neighbours and, and things like that as well. So, all right. So, yeah. if we give our listeners something to something to do as an action item uh, after listening yeah. to this, what are a few things that they could do right now um, that could make their home safer, whether it's highly cluttered or not?
1: Okay. Well, I think in the first instance, like, you know, this uh, the, the tool that I mentioned on our website, you know, it's used by us in this state, but I think mm. it, it's pretty universal. Anyone could use it anywhere in the world is if you wanted to, you could actually download that tool and objectively go through your home and, yeah. and mark it off and see what scale you get, whether you get, you know, under the 7 or whether you're now starting to get the 12 and 15s and 18s and then thinking, whoa, you know, you know, alarm bells should be ringing high alert. But yeah. I, look, if I gave you three things first one, every time, doesn't matter what sort of home it is, whether it has high or low volumes of clutter, working smoke alarms. And when we talked about kids in bedrooms before, two things have changed. Most of us now uh, sleep and, you know, children I'm talking about live in our bedrooms. We have multitude of items. But the other big thing is most times we actually close the bedroom door. So Mm. imagine if the fire starts in there. Because our legislation has oh, it that you have smoke yeah, alarms in the hallways. Yeah, so consider right. putting in additional smoke alarms. Now if someone chooses to have a lot of clutter, I would be saying to them, look, you need to be putting in additional smoke alarms because your mm-hmm. biggest friend is getting that early warning so you can get out. Second thing is that clear pathway. so from the curb to your external doors. And when I say your gas and iso- uh, and your electricity isolation, because when we roll up as firefighters, I can't afford to send my firefighters in if the gas and the electricity oh, is if it's still on. switched on. Because, yeah. because the water we use doesn't quite agree with, um, <laughs> with the and just, electricity yeah. and gas, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the second thing is um, I can't afford, you know, some gas to be leaking and next minute we've got a gas explosion mm. inside the home. So one of the jobs as the officer, when I roll up, I assess the scene, but then I go around and isolate the gas and electricity Crews are getting dressed up, ready to go. Let's say at the side door, and then I go around to them, and say, "Right, electricity and gas are off. I want you to go in and do X, Y, and Z." Yeah. So if people have a lot of clutter around their power boards and their gas meters, if it takes me another 30 seconds to to locate, you know, like the mm. power board or the gas meter, that you know, I'm not being um over dramatic here, you know, because if that means us getting to you 30 seconds sooner. It, it's the big. Difference it's a difference between, between life and so death. Life, life and death, most definitely. So mm. have those clear pathways, and then inside your home, all those external doors and bedroom doors that need to be open fully with no stuff behind them, and yeah, the pathways to where you eat, where you sleep, where you go to the toilet, where you lounge, they need to be clear because that's where you're probably going to be. So that it's easy for us to locate you. It's easy for you, you know, people in there to get out, and then. The third thing, most important thing, is actually look for possible ignition sources. Have a look, mm. you know, step back, because um, the other thing that happens too is I sometimes say to people, uh, especially if they got kids, is to say, if you've got another friend that's got kids, you, you should both do a risk assessment of each other's that's homes a good idea. of what's risky to your kids, because when you live in it, you get used to things. It's yeah. when someone else comes in, they go, oh, actually, have you seen this PowerPoint's broken? Have you seen this is up here? Have you seen that's down there? You go, oh, uh, yeah, but I've just, it's been like that for so long. Yeah,
0: yeah. you stop seeing it, you know, don't you, after a while. Yeah. So
1: you could look to get a, a friend, family neighbour and that and actually go through your home, you know, even using the tool or look at it and mm. say, well, okay, okay, let's work through what could actually catch on fire here because if I can... Eliminate or really reduce the ignition sources, then I'm going to really reduce my fire risk in the home. Mm. And it could be anything about, you know, build up of uh, lint in your, in your yeah, dryer, in the dryer. You know, mm. Things stuffed around your toaster, you know, power cords. It just goes, you know, broken um, electrical switches. Because another big thing causes fires is electrical issues. So, you know, make sure you have your safety switches, you know, and all your power points and everything are. Uh, uh, you know, and if you've got appliances,
0: yeah. like we, I had a client had an appliance, it was it was a heater actually, yeah. and we plugged it in to test it because she wanted to get rid of it and I was going to donate it uh, or give it away. Yeah. Um, and so we plugged it in first to test it and it worked. Yeah. And she was like, oh, I wonder why I stopped using it. And then I went to unplug it and the plug yeah. was uh, yeah. not touchable, like it was so hot. So hot so hot and that this the plasticky bit and i'm like that's why you stopped using it um gotcha. and so you know that was you know one of those things as well is that sometimes those kinds of things don't we don't know are even happening that yeah. our plugs are hot because we don't necessarily touch them we leave them in all the time and so that could be yeah. something that they could you know and there is a bit of a trend and i must say i'm guilty of this of trying to hide away our appliances in cupboards so, yeah. I have like my charger for my vacuum is inside my laundry cupboard. And I know, yeah, I can see the look you're giving me.
1: I know that. That's not <laughs> I, real wish, I, wish, yeah. I wish the, the listeners could see my face. Yeah. Yeah. I know, he
0: gave me yeah. a look. Um, and and yeah. then there's, you know, and another, there was a, I saw a trend on TikTok where um, this person advocated putting your power board and all your chargers inside this bamboo container, which. Oh. Ideally, it was aerated, like a little bit, but it was combustible. Sort of, you know, and it yeah. was inside something. Um, and then another one had him um, putting it in drawers. Um, and I know I have a char- I have a drawer with with charges in it, and that's that's bad. Um, and so it's one of those trends of of getting organised is to hide things away in cupboards and have appliance cupboards and stuff like that. So I know they're a
1: risk too. Yeah. Uh, look, just, can I tell you anything? that generates a heat. Now, the other crazy thing is I've experienced a lot of fires with chest freezers. And you think, oh, yeah, that's mm. a chest freezer. It's cold. No, nah, but hold on. All, all the, the the motor and the condenser and everything else that drives that freezer actually oh, gets even hotter, than. but it gets even hotter than a fridge because it's working harder to cool things down to the oh, freezer. Yeah, yeah. So the same deal again is like, so whether, if it's anything, that has electricity attached to it. So whether that's an extension, lead, whether it's a power board, whether it's a ice chest, whether it's a fridge, all of them will generate some heat. Mm-hmm. Now, if they don't have clear air around them out in the open and like the charger on your vacuum cleaner, mm-hmm. what happens is it, it's like crossing the road without looking. You're going to get away with it a number of times, but eventually with that heating and cooling, um, one thing can happen like that bamboo container, for example, gets dried out and then it gets more dried out and more dried out. And then mm-hmm. one time when it's just a little bit hotter, next minute, oh hold on, how come the bamboo container caught a light? Well, it's been constantly dried out over a number of you know weeks yeah. or months. That charger you have or the, the vacuum you have in that cupboard, mm-hmm. do you also realize that not only is it drying out the combustible materials that the cupboard's made of? But then it can start impacting on the circuitry in the item itself. So Mm. it gets hotter and cooler, hotter and cooler. Next minute, some of the um, soldering and components can actually start to melt. And then next minute, hold on, how come it caught on light? And same thing again. Mm. People say to me, oh, this, you know, um, I go to your house, you sold this vacuum cleaner, must have been defective. I'm saying, well, no, if you read the instructions, it was supposed to be out in open air yeah. and you've kept it in this cupboard as kept and the other problem you have the those, how long are they on charge? I mean Oh uh, yeah,
0: see some I've got people, a bad habit of leaving it on charge, like switched on. and um, so I need to stop doing that. I think what I I've decided I what I'm gonna I'm do. <laughs> I've I'm going I'm gonna be good, Vinny. I'm going to take it I'm going to take it out of the cupboard. Um so at the moment I do have the cupboard open most of the time, but I think I'll take it out altogether and also maybe switch it off once it's fully charged.
1: Yeah, so thank you for coming out. That's really good (laughs) to your vacuum cleaner. But um, the other thing with those sorts of um, items is you've just alluded to then, um, and I don't want to cast aspersions about how clean your home is and that, but, I mean, it's not like people are vacuuming every day. You know, if it's a week or two to get to your vacuuming, that's heating up in there for a week or two. So because um, a lot of these appliances are so cheap that you buy, they're just built, you know, just to the to the margins. Um, so we're now getting a lot of fires from chargers and batteries, mm. but it's usually because not because the bat- – we have not actually – and I've checked this with our fire investigators, and I've checked this with our fire investigators from around Australia. No one knows of a battery charger – or a, or a battery that's failed, that looks like it was a manufacturing issue. It's usually because someone's left saying on charge for days and weeks yeah. on end. Or they use the wrong battery in the wrong charger. Or we okay. are getting someone here where they're modifying the batteries. There's things on the internet how you can take batteries out of some things and make up other batteries. I don't know why. Yeah. And then next minute they catch a light. So it's from that human behaviour. It's not because the product is somehow unsafe. So I'm not saying that people, oh, be careful, don't get any, you know, um, battery-powered appliances. Mm. No, it's make Treat sure you read the, manu- yeah. Yeah, read the manufacturer's instructions, you know, charge them the way they're supposed to be charged, don't have them in cupboards where <laughs> they can't ventilate and all those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, yeah. so for me what seems like a you know, simple, obvious thing, I hope if nothing else, as you listen and start to think, think oh, yes, yeah. so I need to look at yeah. the, the, the ignition sources around my home.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Uh, well, then yeah. I've, you know, with my guilty face, I'm going to slink off into my laundry after I get off <laughs> and make my change. But I think that there'd be some other people that, I, there's lots of people that do exactly what I do. Um And so that's yeah. the reason why I came out, um, so that everyone can know that that's not, it's not a, a matter of stupidity or anything like that. It's just a, no, no. Um, it's something we all do. Maybe slightly stupid yeah. but um, or unaware. But um we it's we all do it and it's okay it. and we can we can fix it, you know. It's it's fixable. Yeah. It's something that we can go and do yeah. and it's something that we can do do today. Okay, Vinny. So let's let's finish up um now. And yeah. you've you've already told us the website. Are there any other services or anything else? Um, online um, that the MFS could offer um, for people to go looking at to help them with their fire risk?
1: Yeah, OK. So, look, um, if people are in South Australia um, and they're needing um, some help, certainly can't come to our, you know, section directly, and you know, I give them because we've got some other services and things we do for people within South Australia. But for anyone outside of South Australia, I think they could naturally download our tool and use that. But the other thing we have on there, we have another resource which we call non-fire-related referral list, and that's all those other risks when I said about child safety and sanitation oh, yeah. and welfare because not only for us as officers going out there, um, yes, we might see some fire risks, but we also, um, you know, our passionate people yeah. also no, we have an obligation. If we, we see a risk to a child, well, we should report it to the appropriate authority. So those contacts are for here in South Australia, but yep. someone else elsewhere might give them the the leading to say, well, actually, we should probably um, find our local contact details mm. around all of these. So if we spot any of these risks, not just the fire risk, they need to be reported to the appropriate person because I think we all have a responsibility to keep, everyone's safe in the community you know Mm. the days of saying no no it's not it's not my job (laughs) yeah it's not my business definitely I think I think it is to me it's not onerous it's like let's get my smoke alarm sorted do I look at an extinguisher do I look to get a fire blanket do I learn how to use them before a fire don't (laughs) make you have a fire and then
0: I have to say that was just going through my head of like I know where they are but then I was
1: like do I know how to use them yeah and also, look to put together a home fire escape plan. So most fire services around the world, if you go to your local fire service website, they'll have, you know, how do you put together your plan? And, and okay. really what I say to people, this is what it's quite simple. It's really about all the people in your home sitting around the, the, the dining room table and having a conversation and starting the conversation with, okay. If we were to have a fire in our home, what are we going to do? Do we know what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing? So not only doing the preemptive stuff that we've talked about, but mm-hmm. also that thing, well, if we're unfortunate enough to have a fire, are we clear about what we're going to do as a family or occupants of this home to get mm-hmm. out safely? And a lot of times it's simple things about knowing you just need to get out, meet at the front letterbox, um, you know, uh, what are you going to do about pets? and? Um, you know, in-laws that are living with you or, mm. or anything like that. So it's really having a plan for all of that and what are we going to do if there's a, a mm. fire. And most fire us have really good information around
0: that. And especially I think it's important for any families with vulnerable people, people with disabilities, um, people yeah. who have medications that um, yep. are important and, and those kinds of things. I think that is something that definitely needs to be covered off too.
1: And look, here's another point. You have um, an elderly mother that's still living in their home. When was the last time you went around there and said, "Actually, I might test these smoke alarms and let's see Mm. if they actually work, and let's have a look at her exits. Let's see, you know, whether she has she got a plan. See, for example, uh, someone in that scenario, I wouldn't be wanting them to fight a fire. You know, their Mm. plan is: get out. uh, You're vulnerable. You're old. Smoke alarm goes off. Get out. Ring fire service, I and mean, then worry about whether the fire's big, small or whatever it is, but you, the big thing is just get out,
0: you know. Mm, mm, yeah. Definitely. Well, thank you. That's been enlightening and mildly scary. Um, <laughs> it's always <laughs> sorry, the, 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 the reality check. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the reality check is always confronting. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, they've been great and it's really given, I think, some people some um, action that they can take. To make their home safer whether they have lots of clutter or a minimal amount of clutter there is something that we can all do to to reduce our risk so um, we'll put the link up to the website um, on the show notes so anyone that wants to go and have a look at those resources can do so um, so thank you so much Vinny. really appreciate it lovely to see you again it's been a while
1: thank you very much rebecca
0: you're welcome and for everybody else we will see you here again next week thanks for joining us We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at rebeccamazino.com.au and basklifecoaching.com.